Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. I'm Mark Pugh. I'm pastor of of outreach and operations here at the Vine, and it's it's a pleasure to be here to be able to share with you guys. And if you're online, thank you for joining us. Um, you know, I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee. <clears throat> great home, had some great friends. I got two buddies that I'm super close to 45 years later. Um, we, we like to, to get together and we retell stories about our, our growing up, our upbringing. And um, when we were little, we used to play with these little army men, these little green plastic army men. You guys will see a photo of that. It might draw back a memory to you, these, these uh, army men that we used to play with. And so some of the army men that we would have, uh, Daniel, can you show that uh, army men? Some of the army men, just a refresher for you, they had really cool poses like the bazooka guy and then the machine gun guy. But then sometimes you'd get a pack and it'd be like there was a minesweeper. He's kind of hanging out here or he was injured. You're like, I don't want those guys. So we, w- we would tell these stories about upgrading. We started to realize there was another guy that we used to play with and he would steal our army men. And what was kind of bizarre is he would take the bazooka guy and then he'd give you an extra dead guy. Um, and what was worse was one of my closest friends thought maybe, just maybe this guy had stole some really precious war medals from him and his, and his family. Um, and these weren't just any medals. One of them was a Purple Heart that had been won by his grandmother's brother in World War II in Germany. And then the other was a silver star that had been given to his mom's first husband that died in, in Vietnam. It was kind of a big deal. And so a few years ago, about 35 or so years later, my buddy gets a package in the mail. It's got a, a, a card in it, and it's in a letter apologizing, and he returns the two medals. It's a crazy story, right? It doesn't happen. But I think we're going to see something kind of similar as we look at the book of Philemon and these characters that are there. And we need to remember as we go through this book that we need Jesus' love to forgive us and to make us useful. So last year, we talked a lot about studying the Bible using this method called comma. Um, you think about the comma, it's like a, a, a place to rest in the Senate. So we're, we're to rest from our lives and study God's word. And so I prepared using comma today, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. And as a reminder, comma is the C is context, the O is observations. And then you use context ob- observations to figure out the meaning of the text. And then you have motive that helps you or maybe trips you up with the application. What is your heart's motive as you apply God's word? And so if we just get busy with it and say, okay, let's look at the context. First, I I think Philemon's a great little book. I mean, how cool is it? You guys came to church. We just read an entire book of the Bible. Like that feels pretty good when you finish the whole book. It's not like you did one chapter. So that's kind of fun about Philemon. Um, It was written, they think, around the same time as the book of Colossians, Uh, 60 to 63 AD-ish time. It was written by Paul. Paul is in Rome, and he's in prison. It's one of four books that he wrote while he's in prison, Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians, and Philemon. And I'm always amazed at his attitude. If you look at the tone and what he's writing about while he's in prison, he's not... He's he's flourishing somehow in God's grace. 
So that's a little bit of the context. We'll talk a little more about it in a minute, but some observations. So observations are look through, kind of speed read the passage, and, and look for some repeating words. Maybe a word you don't understand or a phrase like a so that phrase that starts helping you unpack what the meaning of your, uh, your passage means. And so in this book, uh, I, I just noticed the characters were really interesting to me. So we're going to unpack the characters. But before we do that, I want you guys to, to think and, and, and ask yourself this question as we're unpacking these uh, characters. Who are you most like? Who do you most relate to in this book? Is it Paul, the Apostle Paul? Is it Philemon? Or is it Onesimus that you are uh, the closest to? All right, so if we look at verse 1. Verse 1 we see, in verse really 1 to 3, Paul's in prison. That's something we gain out of this uh, insight from looking at these verses. Again, he's not saying like, woe is me, I'm in prison. As a matter of fact, he's introducing us to one of our main characters, Philemon. And we see Philemon, he kind of started the church in Colossae. He uh, hosted in his house. He's probably wealthy. Um, verse 4, we see that Paul in 5, that Paul's encouraging him. Again, in prison, he's encouraging this other guy's spiritual growth, Philemon. And then in verse 7, we see that, he's, uh, that he is, Philemon has refreshed the hearts of the saints. So that tells you a little bit about Philemon's character here as, a, as another uh, brother in Christ. So if we skip down a little bit, we go to verse 8 through 12. Now we're going to get introduced to Onesimus. So we, we learned a little bit about Philemon. Now we're going to talk about Onesimus. And I'm going to read this, 8 to 12. It says, accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now indeed he's useful to you and to me. So I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. These verses, they kind of crack me up because I feel like Paul is working Philemon over right now. He's, he's getting ready to make this request of him. He's saying, I'm an old man, and he's setting this tone up that, that he's going to ask Philemon. And, and he makes this one key statement about Onesimus, that he's his child, that he's changed. That's how much he loves him. And so you kind of got to understand that a little bit. You got to read the whole book for a little more context to go, well, what happened here? Onesimus apparently is a slave of Philemon, and he's harmed him. We think he stole something from him, and then he fled. He hit the road, and he happens to bump into Paul in Rome while Paul's in prison, and Paul shares the gospel with him, and Onesimus believes and is saved. Onesimus begins to shed his old self, and he's putting on this new self that's given to him by Christ. Because of Christ's love, he's got this new self. It's like we see similar language in Colossians Three And a little bit what happened with the guy that stole the, the army men. He's shedding his old self and bringing on his new self. And now Paul wants Philemon to forgive Onesimus. He wants Onesimus to return not only forgiven for his theft, but he wants him to return as a brother in Christ to be useful for God's kingdom work. I mean, that's an amazing ask. He wants him to free his slave. So another observation I had in this uh, book was really verse 11. 
So uh, Onesimus' name happens to mean useful. So Paul's playing on the words here, and I think he's making a a pretty key point in the book. In verse 11, happens to be kind of in the middle of the book. Um, And he's saying, look, Onesimus was useless, now he's useful. So he's saying, really, useful was useless, but now useful is useful. It's like, what's that mean? So, you know, we know Onesimus, he was a thief, so maybe he was useless, but I'm not sure really that's Paul's point here. I'm not sure Paul's saying that, that he's completely useless, he's void of value, because Paul knows all of us, all of us are in God's image and have value. But people who are not Christians can have a very important role in God's sovereign plan. Like there's, there's probably an, a, a non-believing doctor out there that's curing cancer right now, or at least a form of cancer, and that's going to be really useful to believers and non-believers. What I think Paul's point here is it's kind of this play on words is deeper than that. I think what Paul is saying is Onesimus, he was useless before he knew Christ because he was a slave to his sin. He totally rebelled against Christ prior to knowing Christ. And then he becomes useful for kingdom work because he's freed by Jesus. He's freed by the work that Jesus did on the cross. And this changes Onesimus' character and all of his motivations. So let's summarize these characters in this book. We got Paul, the apostle. We see he's hanging out with Timothy here. He wrote most of the New Testament. And he really points us to the hero of the story, Christ. Okay, then you've got Philemon, this brother in Christ. Seems like a pretty good guy. He's maybe wealthy. He's a slave owner. He owns uh, Onesimus. He's being asked to forgive. And you got Onesimus, who's a thief. Used to be, or, or is a thief and now is saved. And you got one more character in here. The other character's name is Jesus Christ. And he's the main character. The whole book points to Jesus. Jesus saved the three, right? He saved Paul. He saved Philemon. He saved Onesimus through his work on the cross. And he's given all three of them really important, good, godly work to go do. It is Jesus' love that transforms Onesimus' life and makes him useful. So if we go back to our question, our question, who, who do we relate most to? I think it's found in verse 11. I think we're most like Onesimus. See, because before Jesus' love, we weren't forgiven. We were useless, just like Onesimus. Before Jesus' love, Like Onesimus, we were slaves. Onesimus was a slave. It's kind of hard for us to admit this, but we were slaves to our sin and our heart's desire. We did only what we wanted to do, nothing for the Lord. We tried to steal, like Onesimus, God's glory. We rebelled against his commands. We had no desire to care about what God would have for us. What we accomplished, we would believe, was because of our own good and hard effort. We didn't acknowledge the Lord in it. We see something similar, a verse that kind of calls that out in in Colossians 3.23. It's one of my favorite verses. It's, uh, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. You know, even today, I think we struggle with this. I think we struggle to work for the Lord versus really for ourselves. 
Um, how many of you guys uh, use know what Spotify is? Show of hands. We've got to have some hands. Okay, it was about the same in the first word, maybe even more in here. So Spotify's a big deal, right? And, and so they do this thing at the end of the year. It's kind of awesome. It's called their year-end wrapped. It's this Christmas gift from Spotify, and it tells you all about the music you listen to and who your top artists are and all that. And it's a big deal. A lot of people were posting that on social media. And so, again, if you're like under 30, this is no big deal. If you're hip like me, you get it. All right, but here's my top five list for the year. Um, some of that doesn't have a lot of redeeming value, but uh, I listened to a lot of Chris Stapleton, and one of his songs is called The Devil Named Music. And in it, he talks about his love for music. He, he talks about his love to be a, a performer. And one of the, the lines is, um, I miss my son. I miss my wife, but the devil named music is taking my life. And unfortunately, I think we could sub out a lot of words for music in that. The devil named my job. The devil named my health. The devil named even my kids. When we don't have the right motivation, it affects everything we do, and we become useless. It's all about bringing God glory. It's like what Colossians 3.23 says, we need to bring work heartily for the Lord and not for ourselves. You know, work, we all have all sorts of work to do. It is the primary way that we love our neighbor. We are to, we're called to love God and love our neighbor. And the reason why we have work is it's an outlet to loving our neighbor. So like Onesimus, before Jesus, we were not forgiven and we were useless. However, after Jesus, after Jesus' love for us, now we're forgiven and we are useful. Like Onesimus, he's regenerated by Christ's work on the cross. We see that in verse 10 and 11. But we're changed too as we believe in Jesus. We become what is described in verse 16, where we see we're no longer a bondservant. We're no longer a slave. We're more than that. We're more than a bondservant. We're a beloved brother because of Jesus' love for us. Once we realize Jesus' love for us, we want to accept forgiveness. We want to repent. We see our need for it. If you don't have a need to repent or seek forgiveness, I think you're fooling yourself. We can see this in, in 1 John chapter, uh, or verse uh, 8 in chapter 1. It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We all need to repent. We all need forgiveness. As we really get the magnitude of this beautiful gift that Jesus has given us, this gift of forgiveness, we'll desire to serve God. You know, at, at the Vine, we call this the gospel dance. It's a three-step dance. We repent, and then we believe. We believe Jesus. We believe the identity he's given us, that we rest in him, that he's, he's for us, and then we serve. And then we screw that all up. A few hours later, we repent. And we believe and we obey and we repent and we believe and we do this all the time because that's what Christians do. This is our plight in life is to repent, believe and obey. 
And it's a beautiful thing. So Onesimus models this. He believed so much that he obediently went back to Colossae, back to his master that he had fled from. That's pretty crazy. We see that in Colossians chapter 4, verse 7 and 9, where he goes back with this guy, Tychicus, to go serve in Colossae. All right, so like Onesimus, after we're forgiven, we are given a mission to advance God's kingdom. But, but we're doing it as a brother and not as a slave, and that's a big deal. You know, we see the work Onesimus was supposed to do in 13 and 16. In verse 13, Paul's like, hey, I'd like to keep this guy. He's writing this letter to Philemon. I'd like Onesimus to help me while I'm in prison. That would be a good thing. But I think it's better if I send him back to you and he does kingdom work with you. We see that in verse 16. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord, as he wants to send Onesimus back. Like Onesimus, we have the ability now to bring God glory through our work. He's given us all a bunch of different vocations, right? We, we could be a brother, a sister, a parent. We could be a spouse. We could be a coworker. These are all work things that we have going on that God has called us to. And because of his love now, because of Jesus' love for us, we can honor him and bring him glory through it, through our work. So in our last comparison to Onesimus, we see in verse 17 to 19 that, that Paul, he's kind of like Christ in this. He's paying a debt that he doesn't owe. He's saying, look, Onesimus wronged you, stole from you. I'll take care of it. And that's just like Jesus. Jesus led a perfect life. He did no sin. And yet on behalf of us, he's paying our debt. He's taking away our sin, giving us his right standing with the Lord. He's promising us, promising us eternal life. So as, you know, as we look at this book, we can see there's, a, there's a, some key items that we can apply in our life. We first, we got to learn that, that we need Jesus' love to forgive us and to make us useful. And as we become useful, we practice, we learn, we do the gospel dance. We repent, we believe, we obey. And in this book, I think the obedience takes the shape of forgiveness. That's what we do. After we accept Jesus' love for us as a part of our obedience, we're called to forgive those who have wronged us. You know, I said we're all like Onesimus. I believe that's true. However, we're also a bit like Philemon. We're Christians called to forgive others. And I'm worried that, that for us, this is a little bit hard. If we've been in the faith for a long time, we may forget how we've been forgiven. You know, it's really hard to, to be forgiven unless you really understand how badly you need it. Onesimus, he, he had no issues uh, asking for forgiveness because he's a thief. It was easy to see his sin, but I, I know I need it. We need to be reminded of our really normal rebellious desire of God's commands. Because a lot of us, we look pretty squeaky clean on the outside. We really need to see ourselves as Onesimus. We need to see that, that we need to, um, forgiveness so that we can more easily forgive others. 
You know, as we accept Christ's love and sense his forgiveness, <clears throat> we become useful for kingdom work, and we begin to see that it's our job to help our spouse, to help our coworkers, to help our friends, to see what is their role in God's kingdom. What is their mission? How can they serve God's kingdom in the unique ways that God has made them? We do that. We help them with that rather than trying to figure out how they can make our life a little easier. How they can make our lives more fulfilling. And this is kind of hard to do. You know, I, I like to think I'm, I'm pretty helpful um, with my family. You know, one of the things that I, that I like to do, and um, they love it when I do this, I love to say, hey, you know, that sounds like somebody's upset. I think she was here in the first service, so it's okay. I'll be looking over at her. Hey, baby, sounds like you're upset. You know, sounds like you're kind of struggling with uh, control. Yeah, and, and you've got a heart of approval right now. You might want to fix that. They love it when I tell them those things. So one time I'm, I'm, uh, I'm parenting Reese, um, We've had a, a disagreement. She's, been, she's done something wrong. And I, in my very warm and caring way, am giving her some feedback on it. And so that ends. I go downstairs. I'm hanging out with my bride. And uh, Reese goes away. I think her and Riley went and got McDonald's. They come home. She goes to the upstairs, you know, downstairs door. And she says, hey, Dad, could you come up? I want to talk to you. And I'm like, I kind of know what that means. We've sort of established, hey, conflict, conversation, let's sort of do that private one-on-one. -on -one. And so I truck up the stairs and she says, you know what? Kind of feel like you owe me an apology for the conversation, right? And I look at her and I'm like, you know, I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was something like, you know, I'm really sorry that what I said bothered you. There was no apology. I could have really kind of cared less. She was disobedient. She needed to be obedient. So I wake up next morning and my spirit is really gnawing at me. And it's, it's just, it's bugging me. And so I'm meeting with Pastor John uh, that, next, that day in the afternoon, and I tell John about it. And he says, well, Mark, I know you know this. But every conversation as a Christian, the whole purpose of it is to point people back to Jesus. I was like, oh, I don't want to hear that right now. That was not a part of my plan. She was disobedient. You know, we all do this. We all struggle with this kind of thing occasionally. We are Philemon. We've been wronged, and we want justice, and yet we need to be reminded that Jesus modeled forgiveness for us. You know, we, we got to remember that everything, everything that the Bible teaches us it's good for us. we got to believe that. It's a worthy read because it is good for us. Forgiving others is good for us. It helps us to be useful. It helps others to do kingdom work. Jesus' love forgives us and makes us useful. As Christians, we've got to really believe that and model that. If we don't forgive people, we're making it hard for that person, harder for that person, to go about the work that God has for them. And I think we're distracted from the work that God would have us to do. Holding on to that, that forgiveness, not forgiving it, it's just holding on to bitterness and anger and frustration. It's not healthy for us. So you know what a, a great feeling is? A great feeling is to feel forgiven. You know, can you imagine being Onesimus? 
hanging out with Paul. He probably is feeling a little forgiven. Then he goes back to Philemon and he's no longer a slave and he's forgiven. Must have been a huge weight off his shoulders. And I think we all know this in this room as Christians. Our job is to be an image bearer for Christ. We're to be ambassadors for Jesus. That's what we do. And, and I can't think of hardly a better thing to go about modeling who the character of Jesus is than to forgive. That's probably why when we forgive and then we really move on, it feels really good. That's probably why that is. Again, you know, if we don't forgive somebody, it harms us. It might feel like we're being really too nice. Maybe it feels like I didn't get even with them because I want to hold this over them. But it's sort of like saying, hey, I hope you drink some poison. I'm really mad at you. And then you take the poison because you're the one hanging on to the depression and the frustration and the the irritation, the bitterness, all those things. All of that not forgiving is not freeing. The gospel of Jesus Christ is freeing. We've got to trust that. You know, so it's, it's one thing to, uh, to, to forgive when somebody stole a little green army man. Uh, but, what, but what if people do something more hard to you, like adultery? Or they lie right to you over and over again, or they cause harm like you lose your job because of something somebody did. That's harder, right? I just uh, finished reading this book, The Hiding Place. And a lot of you all have probably read it. I'm a little slow. Uh, great book. Really impacted me. And, and the premise of it is it's on Corrie ten Boom's life. And her and her family, they hid Jews in Germany during World War II. They got caught. They went to a concentration camp. Really terrible. And what's gripping about it is the story's interesting. But what's gripping is the decisions they make. How they react to the suffering and their faith that they go through. And so years later, after the war, Corey Tin Boom is at a church, she's speaking, and this guy comes up to her afterwards, and he wants her forgiveness. And she's looking at him, and she recognizes him, because he's a guard from the concentration camp where her family suffered terribly. She can't even shake his hand. The Holy Spirit's nudging her. And the Holy Spirit tells her, you know what? Jesus forgave her and her sins were no less. Her sins were no less because she had murdered him with her thoughts of anger and disgust and many other people had she done the same way. Was Jesus' sacrifice not enough for this man? So she forgave him. She was useful in God's kingdom work. She died at 91 years old, amazing woman. It's Jesus' love that forgives us and makes us useful. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Lord, we trust you. Lord, help us to to want to repent of our unbelief when it's happening. Lord, let us recognize it. Father, guide us as as individuals and as family and as as a church family, Lord, to, to be the people you're calling us to be. Lord, let us learn that our identity really is in you and we can rest in that. We beg you to do a work in our hearts today, Father. 
as we take this communion meal together as a family, Lord, I, I pray that you would help us want to be a family, a people that is willing and able to forgive one another, to be united together. So, Father, help us with that. It's in your wonderful son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.